0: Hello everyone, Shirley here. Federal agencies say they are looking for innovative solutions for their myriad problems and challenges. Yet, they are risk averse. They want proven products and services. Past performance and references are highly regarded. Government employees are rarely incentivized to take chances on new vendors or highly creative approaches or technologies. So how do you as a government contractor balance your sales pitch to provide the innovation they seek while mitigating the inevitable risk associated with new ideas, approaches, and inventions? That's what we're talking about today, walking that tightrope that if done successfully distinguishes your firm from the competition and can lead to profitable federal contracts. To help me with this important topic, I reached out to Judy Bratt, founder and CEO of Summit Insight. Welcome, Judy.
1: Hey, Shirley. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Judy, tell the audience a little about yourself and Summit Insight.
1: Sure. Well, I'm in my 35th year of my journey into being a subject matter expert in government contracting. In that time, I've worked with over 5,000 companies, and it just in the last five years brought my clients over $200 million in wins. Actually, they brought it to themselves with the things that they've learned in our work together. I love your topic today because innovators see themselves as tremendous subject matter experts, and that can be a great differentiator in the market, but it can also leave the risk of being their greatest downfall. Over 80% of government contractors, whether they're innovators or don't see themselves that way at all, have a fatal allergy to the S word, sales. And here's the thing. I did, too, for 25 of my 35 years of my career in GovCon. In fact, I was so allergic to sales that I literally left the country, a story for another day. Then something happened that changed everything. A Crucible experience gave me the keys to winning hundreds of millions of dollars in federal contracts for my clients and made me passionate about sharing those secrets with as many people in the federal arena as I can possibly reach.
0: And Judy, I'm so glad that you're passionate about sharing those secrets. You are so good at what you do. I I am honored that you're able to carve out some time today to talk about innovation. You mentioned the word differentiator. To me, innovation and differentiation are equivalent. To truly differentiate yourself in the market, you have to innovate. How do you define innovation in the federal marketplace, and why is this important?
1: Shirley, I agree with you completely, yet it's a paradox in the federal arena. On the one hand, the Federal Acquisition Regulation, specifically Part 15.201, encourages exchanges with industry before proposals are submitted. And I quote, to improve the understanding of government requirements and industry capabilities and enhancing the government's ability to obtain quality supplies and services at reasonable prices and increase efficiency in proposal preparation, proposal evaluation, negotiation, and contract award." Unquote. GovCon is not a market where the me-too offer and race-to-the-bottom pricing is a sustainable strategy. Federal buyers are constantly approached by would-be vendors, and those same federal buyers are almost always buying something just like what we as vendors do from somebody who's not us. Changing vendors always has non-financial costs, including things like disruption, migration, cultural change, and risk success in offering products and services that are innovative, and especially in professional services and things like research and development, has its roots in an expression of differentiators that I like to call best values. Not best value, but best values. Best values are not just about what makes me different from everybody else, but also about why that difference. Represents lower risk and increased odds of awesome program outcomes to the specific federal buyer we're talking to.
0: I want to drill down on that a little bit, Judy. That terminology, best value, is thrown around a lot. What is your definition?
1: A best value, and this is a twist on the way it shows up in the acquisition regulations and a lot of conversations between buyers and sellers. A best value, in my book, is objectively verifiable, ideally quantifiable, and here's why innovation is so powerful. Makes it easy to choose you at your price when the decision makers are behind closed doors and down to the final three.
0: I want to clarify and emphasize that the innovation we're talking about here is not just new inventions or technologies, but innovative approaches and ideas and All agencies desire innovation, not just the Department of Defense. Judy, what do most small businesses misunderstand about selling innovation to the federal government?
1: Surely the biggest misunderstanding is at two levels and starts with a fundamental misunderstanding that's oddly enough baked right into your question. There's no such thing as selling to the government, there's only selling to people. We are All humans in the federal arena, buyers and sellers, as well as everyone who supports us, machines don't make those decisions. People do. We are not thinking machines that feel. We are feeling machines that think. That last sentence is a quote from neuroscientist Antonio Damasio, whose extensive work documents the strong emotional brain activity that's involved in decision-making. When we win a federal contract, another human being co-signs that contract. Those individual federal humans who are government employees have everything at stake when they choose us. For starters, worst case, the contracting officer, the one who actually signs our contract, can go to prison if that contract isn't done right. Ever think about that? Most people don't. The whole collection of end users and program managers we're working with when we win that federal contract put their professional reputation, their promotion eligibility, and their personal long-term financial security on the line when they choose us. If poor performance by a contractor creates a failed project in their permanent file that holds them back at promotion time, that impacts retirement income and their ability to support their families their kids, their grandkids. Ever think of it that way? That's why those federal buyers are some of the most risk-averse people on earth. They're humans just like us. And so they wanna know that you've solved their problem for someone who looks just like them yesterday afternoon. They want the benefits of innovation, but also need to minimize risk. As much as they want the benefits of innovation, They don't take action to get those benefits until they feel that what they can gain from a new approach massively outweighs the risks of trying something new.
0: Let's explore this a little. You said the benefits have to outweigh the risk. What benefits are federal agencies generally looking for?
1: I would bet your listeners would love a surefire laundry list of problems looking for solutions in the federal arena, and I could rattle those off all day long, and I promise I will give you my top of mind, top ten in a minute, but there's an umbrella philosophy that covers them all. No matter what innovation, no matter how breathtaking the breakthrough that we can offer, every one of our federal humans in every federal agency wants three things. Follow the rules make it easy, make me look good. When I work with clients, we use several proven models, including proprietary ones, for building the relationships and trusts that are essential for their multi-million dollar wins. And every single step and tactic boils down to one of these three things.
0: So, Judy, of those three things, follow the rules, make it easy, and make me look good, which is the most important in your opinion?
1: Mm. There is so much I could say about every one of these three, but if there's one idea I hope your listeners take away, it's hiding in a single word of the third one. Make me look good. The word me represents a whole cast of characters, the players at all the layers. Whether your company has only won contracts in the corporate arena or you're a seasoned GovCon, you know for a fact that there's almost always more than one person involved in the decision to choose you. The one who cares about program success might not care about saving money, for instance. People in different roles have different priorities. And as individual people, unique reasons why they'd support giving your innovation a try or not.
0: I agree, Judy. Unlike the commercial sector, where success is measured by profit or market share, in government, the seen and unseen real motivators and the definition of make me look good differs. Give us an idea of the broad benefits most federal buyers would find attractive.
1: One of the hardest things for brilliant subject matter experts, especially the introverts, to put front and center when it's time to commercialize an idea and win the work is this. At decision time, with dollars on the line, the ultimate appeal to your buyers isn't the shininess of your tech, but what's in it for them. How is their work, their program, and at the end of the day, their life? gonna be better if you're in it.
0: Will this decision get me promoted, right? Well, yes, and there's nothing wrong with that. No, no, absolutely not. Now, Judy, you have a list of 10 categories of what most agencies are seeking right now. What are they?
1: First, better service to all citizens, especially those who are chronically underserved, including online, in-person, and hybrid. Two, Value for money, measurably better program outcomes for the funds that are expended. Three, integrity and accountability for program delivery and use of funds. Four, fair, efficient, and transparent competition in contracting. Five, greater access to opportunity and consequent success for small and minority-owned vendors. And some more specific problems. Six, cybersecurity is now a critical priority in every federal agency, especially modeling and approaches to anticipate and prevent breaches, but also to clean up and respond when stuff happens. Seven, care for our veterans, a growing and aging population whose needs and geography are often a mismatch for the funding, infrastructure, and location of facilities in place to support them. Eight, health care. Ways that we as a nation, people of all ages and situations, can thrive physically and mentally in our many unique and diverse communities. Nine, energy and environmental security. I'm talking about these in one breath because our power grid is more vulnerable than many of us think about every day. We'll continue to see that in more stark relief every time the planet dishes up severe environmental conditions that have a cascading economic and social impact on the increasing number of vulnerable communities. And transportation infrastructure, which is also linked to how we manage energy and environment.
0: Judy, that is quite a list. And you didn't even mention national defense, which is the biggest gorilla in the room. Judy, we need to take a break. I'm talking to Judy Bratt, CEO of Summit Insight on how to sell innovation to the government. When we come back, we'll talk about how industry partnerships can help advance innovative ideas and technologies. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
2: This Gothmaster's federal presentation is hosted by Shirley Collier, president and founder of Scale to Market. Scale to Market helps businesses think, plan, collaborate, and build market value by developing and executing customized, data-driven business development playbooks, building efficient information systems, and creating high-performing BD teams. Utilizing the proprietary Davey Business Development Growth Framework, Scale to Market partners with business owners and executives to increase their company's value by achieving profitable and sustainable growth in the federal marketplace. Email Shirley at scollier at scale-to-market.com To learn more about the Davy Growth Framework and how it can be instrumental in helping grow your federal contracting business. Back now to Shirley's conversation with Judy Bratt, CEO of Summit Insight, as they discuss how to sell innovation to the government.
0: Welcome back. Before the break, we were talking about the categories of innovation that federal agencies are seeking. Now let's talk about the who and the how. We discussed the first misunderstanding that most contractors have about selling innovation to the federal government. What is the second one, Judy?
1: The second flows from the first. GovCon is not a numbers game. It's both a relationship game and a team sport. Whether you're selling innovative products or services, no matter how wonderful the innovation, it doesn't sell itself. You've got to meet people and find ways to build trust from first contact to first contract.
0: Okay, I want to drill down on this because my clients really struggle with knowing who to contact. They know they need to be talking to people, but who are those people? I like to ask GovCons, who's your buyer? And
1: if there's more than one person in the room, there's an agreement often right away up front. Some folks say right away, it's the contracting officer. Other people say the real decision maker is the program manager. At the end of the day, the contracting officer is just there to serve the program side. And they're both right, and there's a lot more to it. There's a bunch of people who affect our wins, and not just the one who has signature authority on that contract. Here's the way we can make it easier, the players and layers methodology. It gives contractors two steps to shape how they connect with the individual people who need to support a contract with. In a nutshell, we start with their roles and then build our appeal focused on their goals. Roles, goals, simple. There are players at five layers everywhere we want to win federal business. First, stakeholder. Second, contracting. Third, end user. Fourth, industry. Fifth, small business
0: specialist. So who in agencies might be the stakeholders? How do you identify those people?
1: the stakeholder is your federal buyer's big cheese, their capo de tutti capi. I love the French phrase for this, le grand légume, which translates literally into the big vegetable. (laughs) I'll let you enjoy that image for a minute. We're talking about the base commander, the cabinet secretary, the CIO, the chief human capital officer. This is where the buck stops, the person who's going to be on the front page of the Washington Post and the New York Times if things go tango uniform. Uh, that's ancient military sying for really badly. This is the person who takes the ultimate fall for the failure, the public failure. They're also the star if they can deliver a significant win for their organization. They set the priorities for their agency. They can become the champion for that game-changing approach you've got if the people they trust at the other layers show them why that innovation is the way to go, as well as how the whole team, including you, planned for a successful implementation, as well as how to anticipate and minimize and mitigate the downside of things that might not go as expected. This person might be the big headline speaker everybody gets excited to see at the big conferences, but big flag, they don't choose the vendors. They're not in the room when the buying decision is made they don't sign your contract, then you aren't going to pitch them.
0: This is a very important point, Judy. I learned this the hard way early in my career. So you were talking about the five layers. What is the next layer?
1: The contracting layer. Despite what I just said about the stakeholder, the contracting layer might be the most risk averse. They are the ones who have legal responsibility for the outcome of choosing a contractor, for one thing.
0: What other responsibilities lie with the contracting officer?
1: Surely they do so much that vendors often don't even think about. Just for starters, the responsibilities of the contracting layer include doing market research to determine whether industry has the capability to perform or provide what's needed. They decide how or even whether the work will be competed. They choose the contract vehicle, the rules of competition, and the timing of the acquisition process. They engage with industry before, during, and after the competition, run the competition, award the contract, respond to post-award concerns, including any protests and all debriefing requests, administer the contract, do those milestone check-ins process invoices, make sure you get paid, and log your contractor performance assessment reporting system results.
0: How might a small, innovative business leverage the contracting officer when selling an innovative idea or approach?
1: We need to start that conversation way early, long before any solicitation is published with the folks at the contracting layer. They're keen to understand why working with us in every respect, not just our technology, represents a low-risk choice. So of the big three, follow the rules, make it easy, make me look good. Showing you know how to follow the rules is a great place to start with the contracting layer. You'd prepare for your first conversation with folks at this layer by doing your research into all the publicly available information on how this specific program office and this particular contracting officer buys what you do, who they're buying from now, what the procurement forecast says is coming up for bid related to what you do, and then choose which of your recent past performance or proven project to demonstrate your capability to deliver valuable outcomes to their agency or program.
0: Tell me more about the third layer. Ooh,
1: the end user layer. And there are many players here. Represents a mixed bag and such a rich collection of people in many roles and is a critical place to build broad and deep support before taking a specific idea for an acquisition to the contracting folks.
0: Give us an idea of the types of folks you're referring to and how to find them.
1: Sure. In some ways, this is the easiest layer to understand once you just take a step back and take a breath. These are the people you work with every day in the account. The most senior ones might have a title like program manager, but might include project manager, analyst, engineer, user experience manager, they're the subject matter experts, the daily frontline folks, the help desk tier one, two, and three folks, the warfighter in the battle space, every single person who's affected in their everyday job performance by the impact of choosing you. They're also the ones who are working with your competitors right now and might either love them or be struggling with them or both. And circling back to where we began the conversation, it's a critical layer to always be talking with about your best values, the technical guts of your innovation, and how to define those into a solicitation in ways that make it easy to choose you and hard to pick anyone else. In short, this is the layer where so much of what people call capture, the work of the wind, takes place.
0: And what about the fourth layer?
1: The small business specialist. These folks are easy to find, easy to talk to, and don't award your contract. People get confused, especially early in their GovCon experience about these folks, because they're happy to have lots of conversations about you. They might seem really enthusiastic about, well, everything you talk to them about. They might get all lit up about your innovation if you also show them some track records, but they don't award contracts.
0: Most small businesses don't understand the role of the small business offices, and they get frustrated. So what should they expect from them?
1: In short, the small business specialists can advocate for you, provide, or better yet, confirm and refine your intelligence and list the people to talk to. They can point out free public intelligence sources and industry briefings you might have missed and invite you to industry day events for specific projects, just for a start. If you make friends with them, there are a lot of ways that they can help you, but they're not the ones who are going to hand you work, and they're not the purchasers or the end users of what you do.
0: And the fifth layer is industry, other government contractors with whom you might partner or compete against.
1: Yes. Incumbent large and small primes and competitors, partners, I love this phrase, mates who want to be primes are also a mixed bag. They are just as risk-averse as the federal buyers, and sometimes more so. But they want to win, and you've got to keep that in mind front and center. So if you come to them with an innovative approach and show how that approach has proven to be successful and them federal buyers that are eager and on board with that approach and ready to buy, suddenly you'll never lack for teaming partners.
0: Now that's a lot to ask of small businesses that have a differentiator. So you're saying it has to be innovative but proven and there needs to be a market demand. This leads us to the third misunderstanding that small businesses have regarding innovation how successful companies develop interest in the federal arena for their innovations.
1: You bet. And this is so easy to fix once you just do what I call flip the switch. The single biggest mistake that over 80% of federal vendors make is the cruise SAM.gov contract opportunities asking the question, what can I bid? The toughest transformation on the road to success. And I work with Seasoned GovCons, who have been at this a long time, and even they know this is essential but find it's really challenging to do, is to stop asking, what can I bid? And start answering the question, who's my buyer, and how can I get to know them before the next requirement gets written for somebody else?
0: This is so important, Judy. Can you give us an example of a small company that successfully sold innovation to a federal agency?
1: Sure. One of my best stories is American Fashion Network. The Marine Corps wanted better physical training uniforms than they had. They wanted clothing that would fit better, be more comfortable, more durable, and get this anti-stink. The technical term is actually antimicrobial technology. My clients have never sold to the federal government but found a buyer that was looking for this innovation and won a $46.8 million five-year prime contract as their first federal win.
0: Wow. So what was the key to their success? In short,
1: they built relationships. They did the work.
0: How can innovative small companies partner with larger entrenched government contractors who, as you mentioned earlier, themselves are risk averse.
1: Two words, bring business. If you bring relationships and past performance and case studies that prove results, the prime contractors will always return your call. And that's the start to the relationships you want and the
0: business you want to win. That is good advice, Judy. The GAO, five years ago, issued a report on open innovation. Their definition of open innovation is using various tools and approaches to harness the ideas, expertise, and resources of those outside an organization to address an issue or achieve specific goals. The report focused on policies and practices at the GSA, Office of Management and Budget, and the Office of Science and Technology Policy and made a number of recommendations, many of which have been implemented in project open data. More recently, in 2021, GAO's chief scientist, Tim Persons, said the agency is looking beyond the pandemic to scale up their cloud capabilities and utilize emerging technologies through its innovation lab. The GSO says that the federal government gets about $114 in financial benefits from every dollar spent on IT, but it wants to get $1,000 in benefits for every dollar spent on cloud computing, analytics and tools, and agile methodologies. But I want to underscore that all small businesses have a chance to provide innovative services to federal agencies whether they are providing recruiting, accounting, marketing, program management, or IT services. And you don't have to go through formal innovation programs to do it. By exhibiting customer empathy, you will see problems that need to be solved creatively and less expensively. Your goal as a contractor is to be indispensable. The agency can't afford not to use your company's services. There is extraordinary power in trust, value creation, and empathy. And when I say customer empathy, I'm not just talking about the touchy-feely definition of empathy. I'm talking about understanding at a deep level their issues, problems, challenges, budgets, decision-making culture, people, and mission. Seek to make their lives easier transform the lives of those you touch so they can achieve their personal and professional goals. Judy talked earlier about federal buyers and influencers as being risk-averse. There are proven ways to mitigate risk for agencies through demonstrations and pilot projects. Those can be easily funded through direct awards up to $13 million using the simplified acquisition procedures. The key to success for government contractors is to embed this sense of empathy for their government clients throughout their organizations. Empathy must be in their thinking, their words, their actions, and habits, and reinforced with company policy and financial incentives. That is how you grow profitably and create value in the complex, highly regulated, but opportunity-rich federal marketplace. Thank you so much for sharing your insights with our audience today, Judy.
1: Thanks for having me, Shirley. It's been great.
0: It has been great. Folks, if you'd like to get in touch with Judy, she can be reached at Judy.bratt and that's B-R-A-D-T, at SummitInsight.com, Or you can reach out to us here at Skelta Market and we'll make sure you're connected. This is Shirley Collier, president of Scale to Market and host of the Growth Masters Federal Podcast, signing off for now. As we close, I want to thank you for joining us today and encourage you to connect with me on LinkedIn and visit our website, that's Skeltomarket.com with the number two in the middle where you will find our library of podcasts, webcasts, white papers, my blog, and other links and resources. While there, please leave us a comment or suggestion so we can stay focused on what's important to you. We'll see you next time.